This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. Hello, hikers. It's Birch here. here. And tonight on the show, we speak once again with Friedel, who is with us this evening to discuss his adventures on the Camino de Santiago this past spring. You might uh, recall Dub, who we also know as Philip from episode 51, titled Nobo. Uh, we last spoke with Dub after his seven-month journey on the Appalachian Trail, and right before he headed off to hike the Camino which is a 477-mile pilgrimage that many take through the countries of France and Spain. Philip managed to hike on these two major long-distance trails over a period of about 13 months and spends this episode providing tips and tricks for hiking the Camino. But first, a quick plug for the Into Backpacking Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash backpacking. A nominal donation gets you access to all our bonus shows, and you can stream or download all of our podcasts from here for your off-the-grid hiking. That said, here's episode number 56. All right, this is Bird Shooter, and I'd like to welcome Three Dub back to the show. We spoke just a few shows ago in episode 51 titled Nobo. Before he flew out to hike the Camino de Santiago. And he is here this evening to give us a recap of his latest long distance backpacking trip. I also want to point out that 3Dub has been a frequent contributor to the N2 Backpacking podcast, having participated in episodes 7, 35, 49, and 51. Truly a veteran of the series. Philip, welcome once again. Hello, how's it going? You are uh, back to work, I understand, after two long-distance hikes in less than a year, one on the Appalachian Trail and one on the Camino de Santiago. You lucky bastard. Yeah, well, you know me. Now is when the depression sets in. <laughs> yeah, well, that was my first question for <laughs> you, man, was how, how's the adjustment been? Um, yeah, it's been fine. It does take time, though, uh, you know, when you take a year off to just walk you know it you know you kind of probably maybe just don't realize how uh much you kind of disconnect i guess in a good um, way uh yeah but you know it's just i think it's just different for everybody depending on uh everybody says they have some kind of a funk when they come back from a long hike it's just a matter of uh uh you know what you got going on in your life you know, what's going, you know, uh, what kind of, you know, some folks actually have jobs to go back to. Um, you know, some folks are just in between and others of us are just really kind of taking a break. So, And, and you came back after doing two long distance trails in a year. So the Appalachian trail for the listeners, 2,200 miles, just short of that East coast of the U S the Camino de Santiago, 477 miles, Starts in France, and then the common route uh, goes through Spain, and that's what we're going to talk about today, the Camino. Um, hey, but first, Philip, The Camino me... Francais. Is that what they say? 
That's it's funny. Co- no, that's the, that's the name of the route is the Camino Francais. Because it's the French. So French when route. you do a Camino in Spain, there's everybody does the Francais. I got you. And then you have the Norte, the Primitivo, the Via della Plata, the Morabe. Uh, I don't think I pronounced that right. Uh, and there's, um, let's see, the one from Portugal. And what is there? There's another one for England, too. Yeah, and that's, I've got a question. We're going to drill down on some of those different routes here uh, in, a, in a few. But, hey, let me ask you first, man, what do you miss most about thru-hiking now that you're back to work? Um, you know, once you actually get your trail legs and you get, you know, you're used to the physical exertion and your body's, you know, you know really starting to maintain, uh, there's no better feeling in the world. Uh, there really is not. Um, you get to hike mountains. Yeah. I mean, my God, they're they're incredibly hard. You know how hard those mountains are, but there is just just something, you know. And then, <laughs> you know, I never thought about it, but the hitchhiking, uh, I, I did some when I was young, but um, it really is quite liberating as well. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, hitchhiking. There, there is a freedom about and, it for sure. Yeah, it's just, you know, you do have a schedule, you do have a routine. It's no different than a job. I mean, you know how it is, you know, it's like, okay, we got 15 to 20 to do today, you know, or, oh my God, you know, we've got this one section that doesn't have water because of late summer because of the drought, you know, or a number of other different things. But, you know, you have your routine. It's no different than putting a hard hat on, you know? Yeah, what do you, what do you miss the least about through hiking there, uh, Philip? uh rain probably more than anything yeah um i I, I can deal with i can deal with the heat i can deal with the cold i can deal with the wind i can pretty much deal with anything uh you know then again when it rains i usually get out of the rain um i and i have a if it's going to rain all day okay you're going to be wet but if it's just a thunderstorm like we have here in the southeast and all uh that we were having more most of the times i would just throw my tarp up wait to storm out for the 15 20 30 minutes and you know shake it off put it back in the pack start walking again it's a good opportunity to take an afternoon nap i never enjoyed hiking in the rain especially the second and third day yeah exactly you can always deal with something for one day it's that second third and fourth day where you're just yeah, it's one of the, that's the main reason why I switched from, um, like, hiking socks uh, to I just buy cheap Walmart dress socks now. And the reason is, is if when, when your feet get wet, um, they dry out real easy. Um, you know, they, they keep the abrasion and the friction off. It does take a little getting used to because you don't have as much cushion against your feet. But once your feet start to toughen up and get used to the shoe, it's, uh, I mean... I didn't have any problem, but I've heard of other people had a little bit of an issue. Yeah, switching yeah. to the thinner socks. Yeah, feet feet uh, feet issues seem to vary significantly from person to person. Hey, man, so what? It's what, what, very yeah, it's very unique. It really is. It's very personal. Hey, what, what's been the typ- yeah. typical reaction of those that you speak with uh, about your travels this last year? I mean, when you get back, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are really curious about how you spent your year. Like, you know, what, what, what's the first thing someone usually says to you? Well, you know, once they, it depends on whether they've actually heard of the Camino de Santiago 
Um, you know, even when I was doing the Camino, a lot of people had not heard of the Appalachian Trail. And, but some people had seen wild, some people had seen, you know, um, the Bill Bryson would walk in the woods. But I don't know. I think, you know, it's like really the big question for anybody, really for anything is like, what was it like? Um, because it just gives them a good, quick, you know, impression, right. even though I, you know, how it is when we start talking about this kind of stuff, we have a tendency to ramble on, <laughs> you know, and then, 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 you know, it's 10 minutes later and they haven't said a thing. Um, so it's, um, it's just so many different, th- you know, it really is when that the Appalachian trail, you know, cannot be compared to the Camino nor the other way around. Um, but you know, they both have a really very similar components to it. Um, you know, I realized right off the bat, you know, you're just traveling like the ancients on the Appalachian trail. You're just going from town to town. They're just a little bit farther apart than they are on the Camino. That's all there is. And it's a lot more rugged, but, um, but that's the best way to see a country. By Two foot. miles or four kilometers an hour. Yeah. So I would agree with you on that, man. Hey, do you have any tips for smoothing things over with a spouse while you were away? Yeah. Pay the mortgage. <laughs> Good advice. I like that. That's funny. <laughs> Are you, are you, so, I mean, we, you and I were just talking earlier, we're going to try to get, get out on a trip here, uh, this weekend. Have you, have you done very many weekend trips since you've been back? Uh, yeah. Um, big country and I, we did Savage Golf. Where else did we go? I think I took, yeah, I took him up to the perch. Um, and then I've been on the river once. So, I've uh, been and my yard just needs it's being neglected for the last year. So I kind of feel sorry for my yard. So I have to probably do a little bit of that. And you're distracting me on my weekends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that yard, but work, no, but I, no uh, it'll always be, yeah. There. I mean, I've done a few things. I try and get out just, you know, every, at least twice a month. Uh, sometimes that can be a little difficult. It really, I mean, I love Atlanta, but I would love to be closer to the mountains. Yeah, well, I mean, you and me both. Probably. Oh, I did the PMT, too. That's right. I did the PMT. That's the uh, Pacific. No, it's not the no, Northwestern. No, the Pine Mountain Trail. Oh, the Pine Mountain. I got gotcha. you. That's uh, for the yeah, listeners. That's a trail just south of Atlanta, which is probably, what, about 30 miles or so? No, it's like 60 is 60, it 60? 70. Okay. Maybe longer than I remember. Yeah, I think it takes me, yeah, it, it was longer than I, I remembered as well. It was about an hour and 15, an hour and 30 minutes drive for me from here. Yeah, near Columbus. So probably be an extra 20 or 30 for you. Near Columbus, Georgia, for anyone that's uh, interested. Actually, a good, uh, a good little trail for someone that's just kind of striking out, right? You're never far from a road. They have backcountry campsites that are pretty user-friendly. Um, I definitely recommend it for somebody that's kind of getting their feet wet. The train's not overly hard. Yeah, it, no, it's not. It's just it rolls. So, you know, you've got some decent uphills, some decent downhills. It's nothing major. I don't remember any staircases. Yeah, so. I think I've only got about six or seven miles of that left to do. I've done most of it. But um, So have I, you done to the tower down, or have you done from the country store up yeah you're right tower down yeah okay but i, I won't bore the yeah, listeners it's nice up, it's nice up there in the tower 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Are you still in through hiker shape then, man, for the most part? No. <laughs> At least no. you're honest. Not even close. I like it. Um, you know, the thing I think that is the biggest change is really the mental. Um, because once you know what's expected of hiking, then, you know, uphills really are just not a problem. It's just a matter of just take your time. I mean, people that want to pass out on an uphill, you know, they can be my guests. But shoot, I do that on level ground in the summertime right now until the heat breaks. Um, you know, even the guys I've been hiking with, they're 25 years old and they were struggling as much as I was in that darn heat and humidity in Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a hot, hot summer for us here in the south. And for those of you that aren't from this area, we have a lot of humidity in the summer months. It's not my favorite time to go back, back in here. Yeah, I think it was like... 85 or 86% humidity. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not 92 the degrees, 92 degrees outside. Philip, I'm not the model of fitness these days, so uh, you'll certainly be hiking circles around me this weekend. Well, one of the things that really helps me is uh, I've got, I just weighed my pack, came in at 14.7 pounds, two days of food and water. That's impressive. <clears throat> so, but I think I'm going to swap the, um, Big Country let me use his Altiplex, okay. but I might swap it out for the uh, Cuban Fiber MLD Trail Star. So, yeah, you, you are uh, far ahead of me on lightweight backpacking gear, I will say. Of course, you're also just uh, one year removed from doing two through hikes, so there you go. Yeah, well, yeah, well, you know, hey, it's not the 90s anymore. I mean, the, the gear you had, that uh, Terraplane. Yeah. You know, because uh, I had the, uh, what was it, the Aspen, the Dana design. I still have the Terraplane, by the way. of the art, man. I love that thing. I still have two of them, by the way. Yeah, that was yeah, the I... pack of the day. Yeah, seven-pound packs. Hey, man, before before <laughs> we talk Camino, I got to ask you. So, and the listeners can pop back to episode 51, Nobo, or Northbound on the AT. Um, so you knocked out 1,800 miles. You ran out of time, for those who have not heard that podcast um and you, and you detail the whole situation but you know you got into basically the snow months and you were out there for seven months you, you were giving it all you could you just ran out of time you got 300 miles left are those 300 miles driving you crazy no not at all really um yeah because you were talking no, about the pacific no. crest trail for god's sake how can you go to do the pct without knocking those 300 miles out that would drive me nuts oh uh, please uh no it wouldn't no not at all not at all um, you know, I, number one, obviously I'm not a purist, um, but you know, you know, I, to me, okay. So, so I'm a lash and I, I, that, that doesn't matter to me. Um, it, the one thing that, you know, everybody we you know, they had, they say hike your own hike thing. It's the most overused term, you know, out there. Uh, but it really never ceased to amaze me that two people that can walk the same trail be five minutes, 10 minutes apart on the same trail, literally are walking two different trails. Uh, why? Because we're just in our minds, our physical being, the heat, humidity, rain, whatever might be, how it affects you um, and how you deal with it. Everybody's walking around different trail. And I've always thought of the, of the AT as the endless trail. It's still the endless trail for me. 
Well, you've got the um, international, but, the international AT section, which uh, I mean, you know, yeah, there's plenty more out there to do for uh, any aspiring. Uh, well, and that's hikers. and that's what you and I have been talking about. Is you know, let's do the Penhody, let's do the Fenton Mackay, let's do the Bartram, let's do the, let's do the Georgia Loop. That I want to do the Georgia Loop, um, and then also, uh, I've seen a few people do one. I think it's like the North Highland, up in North Carolina, Western North Carolina. Um, that looks interesting. Three dubs, so many trails, so little time, my friend. Jeez, I know. <laughs> not so much. No, there's only so much you can do in two days, right? <laughs> yeah, accurate. So, man, hey, let's talk about the Camino. And, uh, and listeners, I encourage you to go and listen to the um, the episode 51 where Philip discusses his seven-month hike on the Appalachian Trail. But today, the topic is the Camino. You want to give some brief history on the uh, Camino there, uh, three dub? Um, well, it's, you know, uh, the, uh, ancient pilgrimage from, I guess, the Roman times. I think they said it's been, over, it's been walked for, oh God, a thousand years. So, you know, and it's a pilgrimage to Santiago, to the cathedral. Uh, who is, uh, is it St. John that's there? Um, St. James. Oh, yeah, James. <laughs> I can't think. Uh, like, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So, uh, don't, don't yeah. I have it right though that the I had read somewhere that the um, that the uh, Muslims had their pilgrimage to Mecca, right? And so the um, Christians felt that they needed to have their pilgrim pilgrimage equivalent, and that um, that that was part of the reason where this. Camino de Santiago first sort of came to be was the Christian pilgrimage, right? So, I, I mean, was that talked um, about at all when you were on the trail? No, it, no, not really. Um, uh, the Camino's definitely gotten a lot more secular than maybe in the past. Um, How do you mean? You know, there's there's still a spiritual uh, component to both the AT and the and the Camino, but as far as the yeah, it's it's steeped in religion. Um, everywhere you go, it, you know, there's more churches and you can walk through the whole walk. Uh, it would take you twice as long to just, you know, just pop into each church or, or cathedral or chapel or whatever you would walk into. And so, um, yeah, it, it's it's a lot. I mean, the spiritual component is there. The religious component is there. It's definitely a lot more secular and a lot of us, you know, might loosely know about some of the history and um, what it's about. But I think as with the AT and the Camino, it's a great place to give people space. You know, you're not going to solve all your problems. Your troubles aren't going to go away and things like that. <clears throat> but it might give you a little bit of time and space to try and work those things out and unburden yourself. Yeah, why, why do you think, because you were talking earlier, and we can talk about this in detail at any time you want, but that the French route is historically the most traveled. What, why do you think that is? I know there's a number of different options, but that seems to be the route that most people take. Uh, well, it could have something to do maybe with infrastructure, even though the infrastructure, from what I hear on all the routes, is exceptional. Uh, I hear there's a couple of gaps in the Via della Plata, um, but 
yeah, there's always a place to go. I mean, we stayed in villages with only 65 people. I think there was another one that was like 180 and another one that was like 300. So it, there's always a place come kind of where you're at. What is it, like 300 people? 300,000 people do the Camino Francais every year. God, I, I, I saw that. I read that. That Holy shit, that is insane. 300,000 people. It is. That makes, the, that, makes, <laughs> that makes the Appalachian Trail look deserted in terms of thru-hikers. Well, you know? people are complaining about the PCT because I think they had 5,000 people start this year, and that uh, matches almost the uh, AT. Really? Well, so I read somewhere mm-hmm. that in 1985 – the Camino de Santiago only had 650 hikers that finished, and it went to 300,000. 300,000 last yeah. year. That's crazy, man. What, what do you think is driving yeah. the massive uh, Well, um, Emilio Estevez and um, Martin Sheen did a movie called The Way a few years, what, about 10 years ago. So that's what's driven the latest push. Um, uh, believe it or not, probably air travel in the 70s as it expanded to people that could, you know, what was air travel in the 40s, 50s, early 60s and all, you had to have a bit of money in order to have air travel. Yeah, right. By the 70s, those prices had come down so people could then backpack across Europe and things. And it, that is the single, I'm telling you, the single best way to visit a country. Just walk along. It's uh, it's really fun. I, honestly, that's the same thing about the Appalachian Trail. You know, the people that were Germans and English, um, you know, they were seeing a side of America that very, very few foreigners see. Yeah, very few true. Americans see as well. Yeah, I agree. Hey, so let me ask you this question. You got 300,000 people doing the Camino de Santiago, but you got these different routes. Is there another route that you would recommend or that maybe you do um, next time you go? Well, one of the, um, okay, so on the Camino Francais, it gets very crowded on the very last, like, 100 kilometers. And that is because you have a lot of uh, uh, Spanish. Usually they do <clears throat> the last 100 kilometers. They might, you know, have like a week or five days or something in order to be able to, to do this. So uh, in order to get your Compostela, people will start in Saria and then walk into Santiago, and then they get a Compostela. Um, so a lot of people do that. So the crowds get really, really dense right before you get into Santiago. And I was hiking in April and early May, and it was busy. I can only imagine what it might be like in summer. It, it was very nice because I, I could maybe see a few people in front of me, maybe see a few people behind me. Um, but it didn't seem like it was overly crowded. I can only imagine what it might be like. And then the Meseta in the summer, you know, you have no place to hide. Um, you know, if you're in the summer, I'd take, take an umbrella for the Meseta. But so the French route obviously ends at the cathedral, um, of Santiago de Compostela. But I mean, do all all the routes end at the same place? They all end at that cathedral because yeah, isn't that where they, they all, that's where yeah. they think Saint James was buried, right? That's what kind of that's why it's the end point. Yeah, that's, that's he's he's in the cathedral. And I mean, yeah. I've seen pictures of that church. It looks un, I mean, it looks like no church I've ever seen in America. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's pretty amazing. Uh, 
you know, I went to a few uh, services there, a few masses, and, uh, you know, it really is awe-inspiring. It, it is just a beautiful building on the inside, and uh, they really got a, a great choir, and a, it really is very nice. I mean, it, it, to me, it, it's, 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 impress- it's, it's impressive. It seemed like an experience, like actually like a legitimate experience when you go there. Um, yeah. It's, well, actually, even that area of uh, Santiago, the old section, uh, it, it's gorgeous. It really is. Uh, the park up on the hill above is just beautiful. Uh, the park down below on the river is just every bit as nice. And, you know, so it's, or just down, there's two sides. One's a little high side, one's a low side, and there's a park on either end. And yeah. uh, both just gorgeous. Yeah, it's, and let me, let me just say, down. let me say for the listeners, if you haven't heard episode 30, which is a, a podcast interview with Squatch about his movie Wayfaring, where he goes into detail about his experience on the Camino de Santiago. Um, it, it gives a really great inside experience and picture of the cathedral in Compostela. And um, in, in Squatch's film is phenomenal. Uh, did you watch Squatch's film before you uh, did your hike, Philip? Uh, no, I didn't. I've seen um, a couple of um, videos in the past uh, with him. I haven't really... No, I didn't watch his, though. It, you know, for the um, listeners, it gives you a really, really good feel of the, of the through hiking experience on the Camino. I thought, and and he's a, he is a, at one time was a stand up comedian, and he brings that to the film, so it's really entertaining too. So anyway, I would encourage anyone that yeah. hadn't seen it to see it. I mean, I, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos, whether it was for the Appalachian Trail, I was watching a bunch for the PCT, and the Camino was no different. Uh, the great thing really though about the Camino is you don't have to carry food. You might carry a little bit for a snack or lunch here and there, but that's not necessary. You carry a little bit of water. Uh, and if you're careful with some of the stuff you bring, jeez, I think I was only carrying like about six or eight pounds. Wow. That's amazing. Do you so, hike- I mean, I only had two changes of clothes. I didn't have a whole lot of, I had my sleeping bag. I had, you know, uh, but I, I didn't have a whole lot of anything. I, you don't need it on the on the Camino. Uh, there's so many people that they're packing for like, you know, an expedition. And, that, you know, what, there was one guy that I was uh, walking with and he had everything he owned in a day pack. And he, I think he was, I <laughs> think that thing only weighed like three pounds, <laughs> four pounds. Yeah, I mean, do you feel a little spoiled out there, right? I mean, you know, to travel that lightly? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have food so, at your... Uh, I mean, you must have lost, like, no weight, because as soon as you get to town, you can just gorge yourself, right? Well, in the summertime, because it's so bleeding hot, um, you're going to lose weight in the summer on the Camino. When I was doing it now, it was, you know, it snowed, you know, for the first two weeks. Hey, let's talk about that because I thought that you rain. I thought you started in late February, but now that I think about it, you, you went over and traveled Europe a little bit before you started, right? I was planning on doing it in March, but uh, I got stalled by the beast from the east. And <laughs> do, so, do, do tell. Um, well, uh, well, I you know we just took a bus from uh, Amsterdam, and it started snowing once we left Paris. Uh, and I guess what was it? We hit like Dax or something in the south of France, and we got stuck on the highway. 
so um, between me and another guy and the bus driver, we were, most of the lorries were pulled to the side to let traffic through, but a lot of them weren't pulling to the side far enough to let the buses through. And so me and this other guy were basically directing these truckers to try and back in a little bit closer, you know, to let the, tra I mean, we had a line of traffic behind us for literally miles upon miles. Um, so we barely made it to Bayonne. Once I got to Bayonne, though, uh, they said, no, it's going to be a while before they open up the, uh, the train. They, they were canceling trains and buses. So I said, well, maybe I'll just go farther south and, you know, visit Spain before I actually start to walk. So I spent, what, three and a half weeks, three weeks. Well, not a bad way to warm up to your trip there, uh, 3-Dub. No, well, you know, I did have one place to go, which is really very out of the way, which is uh, down to Granada to go to um, Alhambra. I didn't have a chance to go to Alhambra when I was there like 28 years ago. And so I t swore that this time that well, I was not going to let it slip through my fingers again. <laughs> so, but I really like, I really liked Granada too. It's, you know, right there in the Sierra Nevada. Uh, it's a beautiful area. Uh, Alhambra is just, you know, it's a world heritage site. It's what is the, what do they call it? The Moorish Versailles. And I saw it in kind of the, late winter early spring after all these snows and everything and it was still gorgeous hey man so let's talk about snow for a second because i know that the pyrenees are the major mountain range you you hike on the the, the french route essentially of the camino that that uh, for the listeners that haven't seen the way um which is the emilio estefez movie that that is where the character dies in the snowstorm because he doesn't have a tent and proper equipment. Um, I think, no, I think he was struck by lightning. Wait, wait a minute. Are you kidding? I dispute that. No, yeah, he, yeah, and he, I think he was struck by lightning, mm. um, which is not uncommon. Now, it's also not uncommon for people to, it's more common for people uh, to be struck by cars on the Camino than anything else. Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Uh -huh. Philip, a shameless plug for episode 49, awesome and awesomely bad hiking and backpacking movies. Uh, the way we discussed as we sat by the Chattooga River uh, for the listeners, if they want to um, hear that one, because we have some interesting things to say about that movie and others. No, you know, uh, the, the movie actually is, is, is well done. Agreed. But then once you, then when you walk it and you go, wait a minute. They did this shot backwards. Oh, right, right, right. Well, you could pick any movie. You could pick any movie apart for something there. Well, no, it, it's just probably the way the shot angle and the light and everything was. You yeah. Know, so the time of day and stuff. So, did you have snow in the Pyrenees when you went through? If I is that did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, yeah. It, it uh, there is. It was left over from the beast from the east, and it also snowed a few days before I started. Uh, but there were enough people. So there's two routes that you go over, and uh, the Emilio Estevez character was killed on the high route, uh, which that's where it gets above tree line and it gets more rocky at the top. But nobody could cross that because it was under, there were some sections they said there was two meters of snow or more. And so uh, they said, don't do it unless you have snowshoes. And I was like, well, I don't have snowshoes. So I took the low route which is called the Volcarlo route. Um, and still, there, there was considerable snow going up to the gap uh, once you got into Rossum Valles. But 
What, what kind of elevation are we talking here? Maybe give it meters and feet for uh, the listeners. I think it's 1,500 meters, just about 3,000 feet or so. And by the way, I think we should tell the listeners also that haven't seen The Way, we're not ruining the movie because the movie basically starts out with him dying in the in the mountains. Uh, and really, the movie the is reason not... reason for the way. Yeah, I mean, the movie The reason for the walk, yeah. Yeah, the movie's not about um, him dying. It's actually about his father going over and... Um, experiencing the trail right so anyway um hey so tell me are there less crowds at the time of year that you they have to be right i mean when you win it's probably optimum time to go isn't it uh it was a good time to go uh the they said the winter that i encountered was unusually bad oh, yeah. um okay so it's typically a bit warmer and also a bit drier it that time of year is usually where it is going to be uh, more precipitation, but that's just, you know, spring is typically wetter anyway. Uh, this time of year is still hot right now over there, but if you do it in another, they say October is an excellent month, uh, oh, yeah. but okay. everything's kind of winding down and some places might be closing, it's, you know, um, so uh, September's a good month, probably because maybe just the crowds have kind of slacked off a bit but the weather is very good yeah still quite hot um or at least warm and um october is usually the last big month and then the people that do do it in november december january and february it just you know there's enough infrastructure on the route now on the, on the francais uh that can you know they have year-round accommodations uh, for some, the municipalities might be closed, you know, after the season, but, uh, the albergues, you know, there's, there are plenty of them that are year round yeah, so, okay. for people that want to do it in the off season. Yeah. Right. So a, a question for you about the crowds, right? Um, you know, I, I've noticed on the Appalachian trail, or at least I understand from, you know, following various blogs and forums and podcasts and whatever that, um, you know, the surge of hikers on the AT has sort of worn out some of the townspeople to the point that they've, you know, made some rules that maybe exclude through hikers on some things. I mean, have you found that to be the case on the Camino, or is that not necessarily the case because they rely well, so much? Even on the AT, even on the AT it's, um, well, because there's, the there's a lot more people on the Camino, right? Yeah, there's a ton more people on the Camino. Uh, it's the there's enough people now doing the Camino that there are these small villages that were considered in between two villages that are now being rebuilt in order to be able to accommodate the amount of people. Wow. So, yeah, and I'm really kind of surprised too to have what's called grand routes in Europe that are kind of like their long trails, mm-hmm. and. Um, they're starting to get more and more infrastructure as well, as far as accommodation or shuttles or you know things like that. But on on the Camino, it, it's very well um, established. It really is, as far as the crowds are concerned, uh, and the way the people are. They understand a lot of these people. They wouldn't have the town that they have to some degree uh, if it wasn't for some of the. Um, you know, pilgrims. The same is true for some of these uh, spots in uh, on the AT. 
I'm sure it's the PCT and the CDT are all the same. Um, they bring in, a, you know, a particular amount of revenue, and it could justify maybe the hassle. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I You know, the Camino crowd and the eight, you know, the through hiker crowds are a bit different. It's not like we're just like crazy savages over here in the woods, um, you know, and it is a bit more extreme. It's just that, you know, you can be a little bit pissed off if you've been walking in wet shoes for three or four days. <laughs> hey, so you know, I recall mm-hmm. from Squatch's film Wayfaring that the Camino was almost forgotten in the early 80s, but um, yeah. a, a priest yeah. a priest basically went out and remapped the path by himself. He hiked it, painted the yellow arrows, brought it back. Um, I mean, can you ex- expand on that? I mean, I have that right, I'm sure. No, yeah, no, that, that's, that's, it was, it was pretty much, and some of the people that, you know, like all the hippies that were backpacking in the seventies, uh, in Spain <clears throat> actually had loosely put this thing together and you're right. It was somebody that got together to put the yellow arrows. And then after that, they started putting in the, uh, scallop shells, um, the cairns along the way. Now, were you with you were with people most of the time? I saw a few of your pictures. You didn't post very many, though. I was trying to follow you. I actually had a few listeners, Philip, that reached yeah. out and said, um, "Hey, you know, I listened to the Nobo podcast. I, you know, how's how's Philip doing?" And um, I had no information for him. You left me hanging. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you should have called me because uh, you know we could have done a podcast on the live, you know. live on the Camino. Live. Well, I could I could have had either the Wolf Pack with me. They were my my Camino family at the beginning, or uh, the other ones at the end. Uh, they we called ourselves the Incredibles. <laughs> yeah. So you were with you were. So I, you know, it... I, t- I tell you, it, uh, it the the range of people and the ages of the people that you meet on the Camino because of the nature of the the walk, you definitely see a lot more um, older people. I mean, you see just plenty of, you know, people in their 20s and students. And, I mean, we even saw people that were 12 and 13 and 14 with their school trips oh, yeah, on the last cool. 100 uh, miles. That's so. awesome. But so you, you were you were basically hiking with people all the time. Did, was there much, did you ever have much alone time? Uh, not really. on the At the beginning of the uh, Camino, um, but my walk out of the Camino is, yeah, from... My walk out of Pamplona, uh, from then on, I, I was always hanging out with somebody. Yeah, now was so it? Walking into Pamplona through Navarra, um, yeah, I was pretty much by myself. I mean, I met people along the way. Um, Did you ever spend a night alone? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, you know how it is. Even on the AT, you walk with a group. You meet up with them later or they're slower you're faster they're faster you're slower um you know you had a really bad day and you'd rather just not sleep in a municipal with you know 60 other people snoring up a storm so you just get you a nice hostel for about 30 35 euros a night and you know sit in the air conditioning yeah that sounds good to me man did you um well that's a good thing about the Caminos, you have a wide range of, you know, accommodations. So if you, you know, need to pamper yourself, you know, here and there, or 
and it was, you know, very reasonable. I thought, you know, the quality of the accommodation or the amount of money I thought was actually an excellent value. Yeah, did, did you find that there's a pretty even mix of male and female on the trail? Uh, actually, yeah. Um, it doesn't seem, you know, the Appalachian Trail, the long trails are actually quite intimidating, you know, even for guys, <laughs> you know, so, uh, but the Camino, no, it is, you know, for some people, it's just a rite of passage. Now, did you said earlier you thought the uh, the age kind of skewed a little bit to the older crowd? Do you, do you think that's true? You don't get as many twenty year olds out there. Oh no, you do. Uh, it's just that you know there's more of just a mix. Uh, you know, when you see people on the AT, they're typically retired. That's not what you see on the uh, Camino, because. You know, almost all of us at one point or another might be able to take three, four, or five weeks off in order to go to Spain and walk for a month. Yeah, that's a good I mean, point. I think it took us 22 days, you know, just to get to Santiago, and then it only took us another, what, two or three, three to get to finish there. Yeah, that's a good point. There's a, there's a big difference between getting six months off and getting three to four weeks, you know. Yeah, it's a, and a lot of people... The Camino is an awesome place. If you don't have the time to do it, uh, a lot of people will just break it up into four sections and do a week at a time and just complete it in four years during vacation. Or they do two, two weeks. But the, the biggest problem is, you know, once you're on, you know, the Camino and then you have to leave and, you know, everybody you've met is going on. Uh, that's, that's not an easy thing either. You know, man, nice to be able to kind of finish and then complete and then complete with everybody. That is a great point. It's one I never considered, right? Like, you know, you could basically take, I mean, even in America where we don't get a ton of vacation typically, you know, you could take a week or two and and just knock it out in chunks. That's that's it's easy. It's dead easy. You know, all you got to do is just figure out where your bus is going to drop you off and what what town or village. Yeah, and just get on the Camino and start walking, and then just figure out where you have to hop off and then get your bus and your train back to the airport. Yeah. So, I mean, now you had just come from the AT, which obviously uh, um, is more of a wilderness backpacking experience. I mean, the most of the people that you met on the Camino, I mean, what, what is the experience with true wilderness backpacking from the, for those that you talk to? Oh, most people, you know, they don't even camp. Oh, right, right. right. Um, but, uh, yeah, there, there's there's definitely a few people that are, you know, um, definitely know the camping in Europe. So, I mean, can you even camp? Yeah, can, can, if you wanted up. to throw a tent up, can you even do it on the Camino? Like when you're going through the Pyrenees? Well, or? there's, there's in some states, yes, some states, no. And so... I think what the rule is, is if you camp within 30 minutes of sunset and um, <clears throat> pull up, you know, 30 minutes to an hour after uh, sunrise, uh, you should be fine. If you're not going to, uh, you know, have a fire, if you're just basically just cowboy camping. Right. Most people say if you just stay out of the way and stay discreet, you shouldn't have any kind of a problem uh, and be smart about it. Uh, uh, worst or, and then if you can, if you see the farmer or the landowner there and see if possibly maybe you can just ask permission, I would much rather ask permission and be denied than to be, you know, discovered and 
yelled at, I guess. Yeah. But, um, it, you know, uh, it just depends on the scenario. A lot of the albergues, municipals, they might have a courtyard or a little bit of space or something for people to put a tent or a hammock or something like that up. Uh, a lot of people do that. Uh, there are a couple of places along the way. Uh, where was that? These guys really had a nice little spot in the woods um, right next to this vineyard. And, you know, so they had like a food truck there. And they also, uh, you know, had a big awning with like a living room. And then they rented out space to people that had tents. I got to side with the farmer a little bit here. You got 300,000 people yeah. walking the trail. I mean, you know, come on. Yep. You know. You, you... Well, and yeah, exactly. And you don't want to, because a dance, I can't tell you how many times I saw little wads of toilet paper all over the place. Oh, yeah. And they're all hungry. Right. It's like, uh... What do you think the success rate is of most of the people that start the Camino? Is it pretty high? Yeah. Um, the only reason, you know, a lot of people don't finish is the same with the AP. Either you get injured, you run out of money, you run out of time. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not so much of a, you know, thing, you know, you, okay, some people say there's a difference between one Compostela and the other, the difference between a through hiker and a lash. Um, you know, it's, you know, it. I don't think there's that much of a big, big deal as far as the Camino is concerned. Um, you know, it, it's just meant to really just kind of give you some time and space and just kind of walk and, you know, reconnect with people uh, for us foreigners, you know, into a foreign country as well. Yeah. Um, but now did you I definitely mean, learn, definitely learn some Spanish for sure. That was a question I was going to ask you. Do you, I mean, do you need French or Spanish to do this hike? Not at all. Not at all. Huh, okay. um, no, I mean, my, my Spanish is awful. And they'd rather speak English. <laughs> and then funny. rather than hear, they listen to your shitty murder Spanish, their, murder their mother tongue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. Hey, at least you tried, man. What, what are most people not carrying more than 20 pounds on their back? Uh, actually, most people are carrying more like 20 or 30 pounds. Really? Do you really need to? No. You only need five pounds or stuff. Yeah, uh, I think the most that I saw... Actually, I, I, I'll take that back. Uh, there were quite a few people that were probably in like the six kilo to 10 kilo um, range. So that's, you know... Dude, help me out know, here. 10 to 20... 10, 10 to 22 pounds. Thank so, you. Thank you. you know, um, yeah, it's going to be, there are, there, actually, I saw a few folks that actually had some serious weight. Uh, one guy was carrying 20 kilos and I was like, what are you nuts? And it's like about 45 pounds. Um, but I think he was doing training for the military too. So okay. he actually did the high route on the first day when we left. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah, real nice cat, real nice cat. Hey, so I, mean, I noticed that you were hiking with a group. I don't think there were any Americans in that group. What um, what nationality do you think is most represented on the Camino? Italian. Yeah. A uh, lot of English. A lot of Germans. Um, Germans are everywhere. Huh? They're, they're fearless. They're everywhere. They they yeah. they are. Um, I, I met like the nicest Aussie couple too. Um, so. 
Um, you know, it's just a shame that, you know, these people just kind of pass through your lives and they're just re- these really nice people, you know, and you, you really enjoy their company. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, they're gone. Hey, did you meet a lot of uh, Americans on the trail or was what I mean, what was the... Yeah, I met a few. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, uh, my first trail family, there was one guy from California. Cali. And, uh, yeah, and uh, he was a student studying in uh, Barcelona. And... Um, shoot, there was two, uh, one from Seattle and God, I can't even remember where the other one's from. Well, For some what, reason I'm thinking like Tennessee or something like that. Well, what's the vibe on Americans? I know Americans don't necessarily travel well, so, uh, just kind of curious, uh, no, <laughs> uh, no, uh, I mean, our, our reputation is, you know, is fine. <laughs> it's just... Are uh, you sure? I don't know. Sure. Well, the thing is, is you know, we're, we're kind of known like maybe Germans might be. We have our boisterous side or our loud side. You know, Americans are known for being quite loud. But, you know... Um, I would say no louder than anybody else after somebody has a few beverages in them. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you know, the, the the crowd on the Camino is it's it's quite boisterous. So, um, you know, there's just great camaraderie. And it's the same thing on the Appalachian Trail. You know, you're hiking with your trail family, and you're all just struggling through the same really bad weather and that really steep climb up and everything. You know, so you're you know, your, your friendship is kind of like battle tested. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there, there is definitely some bonding when you're, I, think, I mean, it's with anything, right? Like, you know, when you're going through a similar miserable experience there, there's going to be bonding, you know, somebody can relate to what you're going mm-hmm. through. So, so Philip, I'm, I'm curious to ask you about the people you met on the trail. Like how many are on truly a religious spiritual journey and how many are, are on a, just a journey? If you know, if if you understand where I'm coming from, yeah, no. Uh, they ask you that question when you finish the when you finish the uh, Camino when you get your Compostela. Really, um, interesting. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know what the number is, but I would say it's a high propensity, um, you know, for either religious or spiritual purposes. Yeah. Okay. Um, now that that spiritual piece, there's a lot of elements in there. Um, it's not just like, it, it just seems there are people just need some space to work some things out and walk it off. Um, yeah, yeah. you know, um, just, I guess a way to, I mean, I, I was no different, you know, just the walking, there's something redemptive, you know, in the power of walking, just the simple act of walking. Yeah. If you, if you got things to work out in your mind, long distance hiking is probably one of the best things you can do. Boy, I tell you, I tell you, hiking up some of those those mountains will take some steam out of your shorts. Yeah, I mean, you know, you start getting hooked on those endorphins too. You know, the exercise every day just, I mean, it it, revigor- yeah. it revigorates you like uh, I've never been in my life. Yeah, um, and I'm sure, like you know, professional athletes feel the same way that work out all the time. But I mean, back to the spiritual element, though. I, I mean, I noticed there's obviously a lot of churches on the route. Like, are you know, a lot of the hikers are they going to church all the time? Or I mean, 
I mean, I guess it depends I mean, on you, the reason. You, you, every, every village you go to uh, or every place that you stop, um, you can go to a service or you can at least, you know, go to a church along the way. And, yeah. Um, you know, have uh, it. And we went to a few services when I, you know, walked. Uh, they did the, what is it, the Gregorian chant one? Oh, yeah. We went to that. Interesting. And, oh, and it's in this just ancient, ancient little church. And it was gorgeous. And it was really quite nice. It really was. They called it a pilgrim service. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be a cool part of the experience. Hey, so the hostel living, yeah. I mean, the albergues, if I said that right, is the, like little yeah. mu- municipal kind of private hostels or public hostels. What, I mean, how, how did you, obviously, you got your own room from time to time, but. Can you comment on the hostel living? Yeah, it's easy. Um, so, like, the municipals are basically just um, high-capacity dorms with showers and probably kitchen areas for people to cook meals. Uh, they're usually about six, seven euros per night. Um, the albergues are anywhere from, like, 10 to 15 euros per night, unless they're, like, very nice ones. And then you have hostels, which are 30, 50, 100 bucks a night, uh, depending on, you know, how nice they are. I mean, do they, they get... I figured, I found most of the average that was 30 to 50 on the hostels. They get a little cozy at times, though, because, I mean, I mean, you know, you're going to need to put earplugs in and, I mean, you know, is there definitely earplugs times... you got to take. Yeah. Take more than one pair, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to be sleeping in a dorm, you know, people are going to be snoring. And when I was walking, it was cold still out, so they had the heat up, so everybody was snoring. Uh-huh. And it's also it also gets very hot in the summertime, so um, there's not a lot of ventilation in some of these places. Others are better than us. Some are better than others, but yeah, sure. Overall, the ventilation's not maybe the best. I mean, were there times where you really kind of missed camping? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we did cowboy a couple of nights just. We found this beautiful little spot just above, what is it, uh, is it Nahara? Right on the edge, there's just like this little hill that you just walk around on the backside of the, of the town. Right. Just go up on this hill and there's this little clearing and it's just perfect for camping. And uh, we just ended up, we just went up there to look at the stars and just crashed for a little while. Yeah, that's cool. But we had a... Uh, we had an albergue that was 60 euros a night. There was a, it was four beds and there were four of us and it had like a little and sweet living room with a balcony that overlooked uh, the uh, park. And then there's a river right there. And then the bridge right there is a Roman bridge. It was really very nice. Yeah. And it's 15 uh, euros a night per person. You know, for somebody that hadn't traveled, I've never, I've never been to Spain before. I mean, that sounds like a great way. I don't know if I've been to France either. Um, it sounds like a great way to experience like the, uh, you know, just the local culture. Did you, uh, I mean, obviously what, can you comment on the social life when you stay in the, uh, albergues? Well, you know, uh, it's very social cause it's very communal. Right. It's just like, you know, whenever I travel, if I stay in a certain type of the Camino is a little bit different cause it's very, very social. Uh, but you know, sometimes when you go to, when you travel in a city and you're in a hotel, it's not like you really meet a whole lot of people in a hotel, yeah. but you go to a hostel, Right. it's more, it's very communal and you meet a lot of people. It's a great way to get, 
you know, on the ground, real time intelligence about, you know, what's a good place to go to, what's a rip off, what's a good restaurant, you know, you talk to these kids, you know, they've been there, done that. They either are going there or they just got back. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, can you get shut out of the, uh, I mean, obviously they fill up, especially during the summer, probably when they're busy. I mean, is it so, possible, yeah, is, the, is it possible you get shut out of anything in town? Yeah, that, that's uh, definitely June, July and August. That, that's definitely a possibility. Hmm. Um, so what a lot of people have to do is there is a, uh, app. So, you know, I use gut hook on the Appalachian trail. There's gut an hook app. does have an app for, There's... uh, the Camino de Santiago. Huh. Uh, the only real issue with, uh, the gut hooks app is there's not a whole lot of users that are commenting on there. There's another app that everybody uses called the called White Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. So it's very similar to uh, gut hooks. Okay. But uh, the one thing that it has on there, it has all the albergues. It's got all the uh, hostels and everything listed along the way. The thing that's important is they have it on booking.com on the very same app. So you can select your albergue, uh, attach, you know, book a room or a reservation for that night and, or, the, or two nights away and uh, have it on your booking.com account. So a lot of people are now actually reserving a lot of their beds. Um, now, the municipals are usually first come, first serve. Okay. Uh, some, of the, some of the albergues are on booking.com. Others are not. So it just depends on... I hear in the summertime people have to stop around two or three o'clock in the afternoon just to make sure that they have a bed for the night because things are filling up so fast. Yeah, it doesn't sound like um, that would be the best time to go. It sounds like you'd want to go in the spring or fall, the way you're talking. Well, one of the one of the main reasons too they're also stopping in the summertime is because it's so hot. You know, when it hits two o'clock, mm-hmm. two to six o'clock or so in the summertime in uh, Spain is absolutely brutal. Yeah. Uh, and because of that, you know, uh, siestas are probably more prevalent uh, just due to the heat. Right. So. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you eat like a king, though, when you're in town. Yeah, you, you can have any type of food that you want, really. I mean, uh, the great thing about Spain is, you know, they're, they're great on, on ham and, you know, you know they, they, they cure all these different hams and porks that are just... Uh, Amazing. Or to be fair, and the, he, and, and the, and the fresh squeezed orange juice. Oh, geez, I need one of those machines. <laughs> I need one of those fresh squeezed orange juice machines. I love those. I love it. Oh. Hey, so one of the questions I was curious about. I mean, on on the Appalachian Trail, you obviously have people that hike with dogs, and I love hiking with my dog. And there there is certainly plenty of controversy about that. But um, did did you do you see like backpackers hiking with dogs on the Camino? Probably not. If yeah. you're in these, yeah. you do. Uh, you you do. actually do. Yeah, huh. yeah. I hiked with a couple of people that. Um, really? Can you stay in the one uh... girl? Where was she from? Uh, most of them, no. Mm. Uh, there, but some. So, um, she actually was camping a lot. Uh, that couple that you know I saw, they they were camping a lot because they had the dog. So they would stealth camp. They were the first ones I talked to. I was like, darn are you guys really camping? And they're like, yeah, we are. Uh, but the only time that they would really use the tent is if it rained and it was actually pretty rainy and pretty cold the whole time, at least for the first two weeks Yeah. Um, that I was walking. So I was, 
like, well, these guys are <laughs> out in a tent and it's snowing outside. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess you got to. So, um, uh, no, there are, there are a few people that will do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was one thing I was curious about. Um, well, Philip, are you ready for the closing questions? What's that? Well, the first one was how how was the Camino exactly like you expected, and how it was how was it totally different? Uh, so the Camino is really quite similar to the Appalachian Trail. Really, I did not it's, expect yeah, that. The, the, the only the only the only real difference is, is accommodation and the terrain. <laughs> so, um. How much? You know, that, how much more difficult did, is that, the AT? Honestly, the Appalachian Trail. How much more difficult is the AT yes. to the Camino? Yes, it's like about a thousand times different. <laughs> I mean, I would expect um, that actually. Yeah, um, but so you can't really compare them though, because you, you know, even though you may be doing them for very similar or same types of reasons, uh, there are plenty of people that will do this to get in shape for their health. Uh, they need a break. They are, you know, trying to challenge themselves or whatever, you know, whatever the reasons, you know, um, that they have to be out there. And you know, something doesn't really matter. You're out there and you're doing it. You know, yeah, however far you can make it, that's that's the way that it is. Yeah, agreed. Does your wife yeah. have any interest in doing the Camino, by the way? Well, uh, like, yeah, I, I've been trying to get her to do it for ten years. Well, I was going to say, I got tired you, of waiting. I mean, you just went, so you know, probably. If you were going to take her Well, somewhere. no, well, it was because I was actually preparing for the PCT, mm-hmm. and, you know, she just preferred I not take another six-month break and said, well, six or eight be, weeks in you, Europe might not be a bad idea. Then. You, you just hiked the Appalachian Trail and the Camino in basically 13 months. I mean, you, you got to go with her on that one. No, no. I mean, um, now was the time for me to have done the PCT, I think. Wow. I really did. Wow. I mean, um, I support your your efforts, believe me. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but uh, I, I really I, – I've got a neighbor. Uh, his trail name's Queso. He did the PCT last year. Mm. And uh, so I, I just listening to him, I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah maybe I should have done the PCT. Hey, if you did – just um, to, to, to go off tangent here, if you went on the PCT, you think you'd rather go southbound just because of the all the people that are out there now? Um, depends. I would probably start a little early, like I did on the AT, and try and get in front of, you know, like the big bubble. Yeah. And, you know, and I mean, I was planning on staying, well, starting two weeks before, you know, in the middle of uh, March, and I got delayed that week because of, I was waiting for my pack to get back from the manufacturer, so... Um, that's when you took me and that was what, like a 26th of March. So I was a week behind already because I wanted to be, you know, in front of the glut. Uh, and it's the same thing, you know, on the Appalachian trail there, you know, the, uh, all the shelters are absolutely packed. There's 30 or 40 people tenting around, you know, um, a shelter Yeah. and the weather's just going sideways, you know, kind of thing. But, um, you know, and the hostels fill up. You know, top of Georgia fills up straight away, and anybody that can't get in there either has to go to Helen or Hiawassee. Right. Yeah, um, and same with Franklin. 
You know, so, I mean, that's because everybody, you know, there's literally 5,000 people that could be starting the trail. And how many drop off before they get to Neil's Gap can be considerable. But um, that's still a large number of people after the fact, you know, going through at least North Carolina and Georgia and Tennessee. Uh, I will admit, though, the, uh, the first uh, quarter of, you know, the AT is really quite fun just because of the number of people that are on the trail. Uh, but, I mean, you know what it was like when you get past Damascus. It, you know, you lose 25%, yeah. you know, of the hikers, you know, just because they're only doing that section. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, do you have the same experience on the Camino where you have a big rush in the beginning and it's kind of tapers down? Yeah, well, the rush is a lot bigger and uh, longer on the Camino. Yeah. Um, because I think even when, uh, the month I was doing it, there were, you know, probably thousands of people on the Camino and definitely on the last hundred kilometers, uh, then it became tens of thousands. How, how was the Camino a lot different than you thought it would be? Well, the only thing I knew it was going to be, you know, crowded. And I think probably that when I went, it was just about right as far as, you know, the number of people that were there. But I cannot imagine what it would be like in summertime when you're just walking in this crowd of people. Yeah. I don't, that's not what I don't, I don't think a lot of people might prefer that. They would probably maybe prefer a little bit more space. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, because... Yeah, you know, it's very nice to be able to feel like you've kind of got your space to yourself. And if you're talking with somebody, you know, you're not having to talk over three or four conversations or, um, you know, people will pass each other and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, you might get jostled around or something. Um, it's just more crowded and I just can't see myself. I don't think that would be something that I would enjoy as much. So when I went, the number of people that were on the trail was just right. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, do you have any uh, just sort of closing advice for perspective through hikers on the uh, Camino planning? Yeah, and, for and... anything, just go. Yeah. Um, well, you know, <laughs> that, when it comes to planning, that's not bad advice, by the way. Uh, yeah. Just do it. Um, yeah, just go. Just go. I mean, you, you know, you'll you'll settle in, and within twenty four or forty eight hours, you're going. What was I so afraid of? You sound a little bit like you know, a Nike just, commercial. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, you know, be very cognizant of how much weight and stuff that you take. You'll be surprised. I mean, I saw people that literally were pulling out, you know, like these huge makeup bags uh, or, you know, toilet. It was really more, mostly toiletry bags. And they were using like two things and carrying all this weight and bulk that they really weren't using. Yeah. If you're using it, it's one thing. If you're not using it, just don't carry it. Yeah. Uh, take a flashlight, like a headlamp or something like that, in case you have to do any walking in the in the hostels or the um, you know municipals. Yeah, no different than a shelter. You know, have a red light. Be respectful. Yeah, sure. You know, what was the craziest thing that happened to you on the Camino? Actually, probably not so much something that happened. 
just some of the stories I heard were absolutely hilarious. So, uh, oh, do tell. Well, no, well, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily tell some of these stories because some of them are actually horrific. Um, you know, when there, even on the AT, there is this element of people, you know, you know, you can kind of unburden yourself a little bit and, uh, you know, you know, that's just the Camino is a one month long therapy session. Now, when you say unburden, how do you mean that exactly? Well, you know, you, um, get to know a few people, you know, you might be able to, it, it's surprising the conversations that you can have that are really quite personal to people. Um, and some of the things that you may reveal about yourself in some of these conversations, um, you know, is really quite poignant. It really is. And no, nobody, nobody does the Appalachian Trail or the Camino by accident. That's, an, that that's an interesting statement. I mean, do you want to, you want to expand on that? Well, whether it's uh, consciously or subconsciously, you're there and you're doing it. <laughs> you know, so. well, I agree with that statement. Hey, so when did you laugh the hardest on your Camino hike? Uh, the whole time. So from the time uh, I met uh, these three guys coming out of Pomplona, it was a really pissy day. I wasn't really in that great of a mood. And uh, we get to the bottom of the hill before the climb, and I, I met these three guys, these two Englishmen and uh, uh, this one American uh, student. And one of the English guys is a uh, school teacher uh, in, uh, I think it's either middle school or high school in uh, Liverpool. And the stories he had to tell, um, just, you know, just having a different perspective, you know, you can understand maybe why sometimes the older, you know, generation just shakes their head and go, <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, this is our future here. It's always, funny, it's a, it's always the been that way. just absolutely funny. Yeah. Well, but, you know, when you start looking at it, you know, it's almost like that. Well, I don't know if we were looked at any differently <laughs> in our generation when we were their age as well. Yeah, true. So seeing all those similarities. But, uh, yeah, you know, you, you you're on this walk and you're with people that you're just talking. So you learn, you know, what are the good comedians in England or bands or, you know, what's going on. You get these little pieces of their culture just in talking to them. So, um, you know, you you just get these little glimpses into all these different cultures, you know, and then uh, we met this Italian girl a few days later and she walked with us for two weeks and then she walked with me for a few days um and shoot i talked to her almost on it every day you know on whatsapp so i I still keep in touch with everybody on the camino and you know even some of the guys uh from the at um you know shoot they were just here yesterday and the day before sleeping on my floor didn't you run into somebody on the camino that you knew from the at uh, no, I didn't know anybody from, know him from the AT. There were two AT, one was a through hiker and, uh, one of them, he said he hiked to Damascus. Okay. So he did the first 469 miles or something. Gotcha. I mean, so, 
That's still yeah, that's he pretty was the other American that's I was hiking with. Pretty fun section to do if you're going to do it. Was there? Um, it, you know, it really is. It's yeah. it's very social. Um, you know, you get in great shape doing you know hiking those those, those mountains. There's some great sections there as well. Um, so yeah, and then then you have trail days, which you know that heck, a, a whole town has a party in your honor. <laughs> Can't beat that. Hey man, yeah. so was there yeah. anything on the Camino that really pissed you off? Uh, no, not really. Uh, the only thing that you know that, like I said, is the crowds. I just don't know. Uh, that would probably put me off more than anything. So. You know, like I was mentioning before, there are other Caminos. So what people actually do when it's really, really busy, when you start the Camino, it's probably not as bad as it's going to get until you get into the last few hundred kilometers, you know, because it gets more and more dense with people. What some people do is they'll hike to Lyon, take a bus up to Oviato, and then finish on the Primitivo uh, Camino, uh, where it's that's considered a little bit more like kind of like maybe the AT. It's a bit more rugged for sure, they say. Uh, and finish that way. And it's a lot less, you know, um, populated and crowded. So if you want to kind of get away from the crowds a little bit, that's one way to be able to, you know, do the Camino and then maybe do a little bit of a different route to finish. Some people do the Via della Plata instead. Uh, which you have to do that, you know, in the winter or shoulder months because it gets so hot in the summer. Nobody, it, I just don't know how anybody would be able to do that. So, um, hey, so I got to ask you one last question about uh, your best days on the Camino, and that was when you were the happiest. Every single day. <laughs> That's a good you know, answer. That's the, a good the, believe it or not, even 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 my worst day on the AT, um, you know, you know, somebody said to me recently, and I I, I was doing this on both of these trips is you know, uh, you got to somehow feel grateful or gratitude, you know, no matter how bad the day was, hey, at least you had a day, right? Yeah, so, uh, you know, to to be able to put things in a little bit more perspective. I do think that's actually another thing too, that uh, doing something like the AT or the Camino where, you know, you might be challenging yourself or taking yourself out of your comfort level um, is to, you know, kind of shake things up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, it gives you a new perspective. Yeah. I mean, just travel in general though, like, you know, there's ups and downs. I mean, you just got to ride the wave and there's going to be a wave. It's going to happen. Well, the great thing really about the AT and the Camino, you're not necessarily subjected to schedules for buses and things like that. It's how far do you want to walk? And if you find a place at lunchtime and you have a couple of too many Ocanas, then, you know, uh, you could just stay. Yeah. Uh, or if you want to hike farther, uh, I always tended to take shorter days because I didn't want it to end. <laughs> So the same thing on the AT as well. Uh, I, I slowed way down at the end because I just didn't want it to end. Yeah, I mean, I, I know what you're saying, man. What, so what's next, Philip? Are you? I mean, you're serious about doing the PCT. And you're going to do the PCT yeah. before you do those last 300 miles that would drive me insane. 
on the AT? Well, you know, well, I mean, I was talking, you know, about this with some of my buddies just the other night. And uh, so, yeah, you know, we've talked about, you know, just going ahead. And in fact, they've already done some of these sections and they were like, come on, we'll just do it with you. And I was like, okay, okay, fine. So uh, <laughs> I'll get it done sometime. But no, if I, if I was to, to leave before, you know, to do the PCT before doing that, um, I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. Yeah. Well, so, um, yeah, so the request was out there before from a few of the listeners and they were wanting to follow you and they couldn't follow you on your Camino hike. So how, how can they follow you now? Uh, well, God, I've been so lazy. I really do not I've got a ton of video and photographs and stuff like that from both the AT and the um, Camino. So I am putting a few things together. Um, so probably what I'll end up doing to start off with is uh, uh, Instagram, because that way I can probably get some, you know, photos and stuff like that out. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, shoot, I don't even know what my Instagram account is. I think it's three dub hikes. <laughs> it's the same with, same with, uh, um, I was going to call that my YouTube channel as well. So yeah, three dub hikes, three dub hikes. But, okay. I'll put a link yeah. in the, uh, I'll put a link in the podcast notes there. So yeah. I'll try me. and get that over to you. But right now yeah. I don't have anything on my YouTube channel and I had been not doing anything on the Instagram thing. So, um, I probably won't do Twitter. So, you know, I, you know, this is really one of the things is a lot of people film or vlog, you know, on the trail or the Camino or whatever it is. And the Camino is probably a lot easier because you have Wi-Fi at every single town that you go to. So you, if you need to upload a quick video or something, you know, get a good Wi-Fi connection and boom, it's done. Yeah. Can't necessarily do that so much on the AT, so it stacks up in trying to do editing, you know, in the field. Right. Like I said, it's easier on the Camino, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's a unique, in terms of long-distance trails, that's... Uh... Well, I just also don't want to turn this kind of into, like, a job. No, agreed. Yeah. I mean, that's not what you're out there for. So right? I, I, yeah, so, I mean, while I'm out there, I might be doing some filming and stuff, but then to do the editing on top of that and try and, you know, get it posted at that time is... Yeah, I'll just wait till I get home. And I've been home almost a year now, and... I still haven't done anything. <laughs> well, hey, so any final statement about the Camino? Any one takeaway? Yeah, do it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's it is back the to the Nike, best, just do it. It, it, it. I love it. No, I'm telling you, it is the single best way to travel a country at four kilometers an hour. Um, you know, just seeing the sunrise on, while you're walking this ancient Roman road, you know, in a vineyard. You're walking into a little village that is older than this country. And, you know, it just, and the variety. A lot of times, you know, walking through, you just like got to remind yourself, oh, I'm walking in Spain. You and know, then you see this big old Castillo up on a hill, the old castle up on the hill. Um, you just don't get that here. I'll tell you my takeaway statement, and this came from you, was that you don't need three or four weeks to do the Camino. You can do it in three or four years, a uh, week at a time, right? Yeah. So. I mean, there were plenty of people that did that too. Yeah. Um, and they knew, and there are companies that will actually, uh, 
So another thing too, there's, there are also services that will also carry your bags to the next uh, stop along the Camino. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to carry your luggage. Some people, they actually have luggage on these things. Um, so, that, you know, they just take a day pack and they just walk for the day. Um, so they, their luggage is just carried every single day to the next place. The only problem with that is, is you're locked in to where you have yeah. to be at the end of the day. Sure. Uh, I like to have my itinerary a bit more open to where, you know, when I walk, I was going to walk into one, you know, city one night and got into the suburbs, into the southern village, walked across the bridge. I saw about 15 people on their third or fourth beer, and I didn't go any farther than that. Yeah, you got, fle- just, you you know, got flexibility. There's something to be said for that. Yeah, there really is. Whereas if I had somebody car- carrying my bags somewhere else, I would have to make sure I at least got to that point to get my bags. Yeah, well, you got a point there. Well, uh, Philip, a.k.a. 3-Dub, Thank you once again for uh, sharing your uh, backcountry travels. Anytime. And uh, I, I am certain that this will not be the last time that we talk. No. In fact, it'll probably be this weekend, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can count on it. Yeah. All right. All right, man. Well, thank you. Hey, anytime. Anytime at all. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Into Backpacking Podcast. This is your host, Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to this show, visit iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app, and give us a thumbs up or a positive comment while you're there. You can also download shows directly from intobackpacking.com. Just click the Podcast tab on the main menu. Music for this show is provided by Jerris under a Creative Commons license and is titled Hillbilly Anarchy. This show is a production of N2 Backpacking and is copyrighted by N2 Ventures Inc. For more information on this podcast or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at N2Backpacking.com. That's the letter N, the number two, backpacking.com.